Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, monkeypox is in Allegheny County, but there's also places you can get tested and the vaccine. PA public school funding already feels criminal, but now a judge will decide if it's unconstitutional. And Pittsburgh is the moment. Our little city is the backdrop for new TV shows and movies that are out right now. It's Friday, August 5th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. It's the Friday News Roundup, the time of week when the whole squad or most of the CityCast squad is here. Megan Harris, hello. Hey there. And Mallory Falk. Hello. That's who we have today, <laughs> the podcast team. Uh, so Mallory, let's let's start with you. What's going on with Pennsylvania school funding? Yeah, so right now a judge is deciding whether the way that Pennsylvania uh, funds its public schools is unconstitutional and whether the state legislature needs to come up with a new system for, for funding those schools. So lawyers in this case that's been really almost a decade in the making made their closing wow. arguments recently. And now this Commonwealth Court judge is going to decide. That's wild to me. I was covering education years ago when this got filed. I cannot believe it's taken this long to get to any kind of resolution. And yeah, I mean, and this is just resolution in the Commonwealth Court. Yeah, this isn't actually it. This is just like a step in the process. Exactly. Okay, so what was going on 10 years ago? When this case started. Remind me. (laughs) (laughs) I should say almost 10 years ago, it was filed back in 2014. So we haven't hit the decade Mm. mark yet. But essentially, this group of plaintiffs brought a suit against the executive and legislative branches of Pennsylvania's government, saying that the funding system here is so inequitable that it's illegal. Um, And so they say the state is violating its own constitution. There's an education clause that says the legislature has to provide a, quote, thorough and efficient system of public education to serve the needs of the Commonwealth. They claim it is not doing that. And they also say that the state is violating its equal protection clause, that the the disparities in funding are so extreme that the state is actually discriminating against low-income students. And I should say the plaintiffs in this case include six school districts. None are in our region. The closest is Greater Johnstown, which is about an hour and a half away, although this would affect our local districts. Um, And then several parents and a couple statewide groups are also part of the case. But like underfunding, it's a problem everywhere. So is there something unique about like Pennsylvania's underfunding that makes it unconstitutional? Yeah, I mean, it's true that a lot of school districts say they don't have the money and resources they need to serve all students. And there have been school funding lawsuits like this in a lot of states. But the thing that makes Pennsylvania different um, or different than a lot of other places is it relies more heavily on local taxes to fund schools than most other states. So, you know, the wealthier a district is, the more expensive the houses, the more that can get raised in taxes, the more money they're going to have to pour into the school system. And the inverse is true. The way the plaintiffs put it, It is, you know, the districts that need the most get the least. And something that came up over and over in this case is that Pennsylvania actually has one of the widest spending gaps between poor and wealthy districts in the country. I actually looked this up just because it like annoyed me when I I remember like reporting about this, gosh, seven, eight, nine years ago. So just in Allegheny County, Quaker Valley, which I mean, should be no shock. It's one of the wealthier districts in our county, regular funding. So this is not without any of the bonuses that can come. No grants, no special education is $1,100 per student. And the 
uh, least wealthy district in the city or the county is Duquesne, and it's $33,000 per student. That's the range. 1100 to 33000 Wow. Yeah, and those gaps exist all over the state. Yeah. So you said this is about a thorough and efficient education. Uh, what does that mean? Or I guess is that question part of the defense? Yeah, I mean, that question is really at the heart of the case. The plaintiffs and the defense have really have two different definitions of what thorough and efficient means. Um, and it's so broad. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, they brought in like a, someone whose job, like a legal scholar whose job is to analyze state constitutions to to give his analysis on, um, you know, what exactly the entire phrase in the education clause means, how you can interpret it based on what was happening at the time it was written, all of that. Um, and, and I bet that testimony was riveting. <laughs> You know, for the um, the nerds among us, yeah, yeah, but but so for the defendants in this case, at least for the Republican-controlled legislature, um, the idea is that thorough and efficient kind of means like essentially this bare minimum where they're saying, you know, the state provides a free public education that's open to any student, and that's kind of enough. Um, in his opening argument, an attorney for House Speaker Brian Cutler said. I'm not going to stand here and argue that all of the school buildings in all of the school districts are the Taj Mahal, but the evidence will show kids in petitioner districts have the basic instrumentalities of an adequate education, with chairs to sit in, desks or tables to write at, walls and roofs, working plumbing. God, that's the bare that's, minimum. That's, yeah, that's the, they know that's not enough. No, I mean, look at all these teacher like wish lists rolling around social media right now where people need like school supplies, craft supplies, like snacks for kids, coats basic hygiene like that isn't to speak nothing of computers like working plumbing should not be the bare minimum of pennsylvania education of course of course you should have working plumbing wherever you're why is that even on the list like why is that on there yeah (laughs) well and you know some of the you know the the plaintiffs also said like some schools don't even have that like the assumption that all schools have roofs that don't leak have you know consistently working plumbing like even if you're going to go by this lower standard you know the the state is falling short of providing that you know there was a school leader who testified during the trial talking about converting storage closets in the school into classrooms because there wasn't enough space but you know another thing this lawyer said was you can't conflate things that are nice to have with what the constitution requires and their view is if you go district by district these schools are passing constitutional muster and you know the plaintiffs are saying, in addition to a roof that doesn't leak, their interpretation of the state constitution is that Pennsylvania is required to provide an education that prepares students to be active, engaged citizens, college and career ready, that that the standard is higher than a building kids can, you know, show up and get an education in for free. I have a whole separate bone to pick about college and career ready. It's such an antiquated idea of what like and it's actually exactly why our generation is saddled with student loans. I have so many thoughts. Yeah. You know, just (laughs) using the language that uh, that came up in this case. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, We'll save that one for a future diatribe. But all of this happened. Well, I guess it got filed in 2014. Um, They passed a different education formula since then. Right. Like I wasn't covering it, but I think I remember something about that. Yeah. And this is something that the defendants point to is that since the suit 
was filed, the state passed this fair funding formula that actually directs more money to higher need districts. So it takes things like a district's poverty level and the number of English language learners into account. And, you know, the defense is saying the state has taken steps to address these funding disparities. But what the plaintiffs say is this formula only gets applied to new funding. So it really only a fraction of the state's education budget passes through this formula. Most of it goes through the old formula. And the plaintiffs are saying like that, you know, that just isn't enough to close these big funding gaps between districts. Is that because of the hold harmless thing where like you can never lower the amount that a school district is funded? Yeah, exactly. It's this idea that no district should receive less money than it received the previous year. But it ends up kind of favoring these smaller districts that have been losing students. Right. Yeah, because they they'll they'll add money, but they'll never reset it if attendance goes down. It's really weird how Pennsylvania does its funding formulas and always has. Um, I had thought that the new formula addressed that. I didn't realize it was only for new funding applications. That's wild. We could do an entire episode about the way Pennsylvania (sighs) funds its schools. But (laughs) well, uh, yeah, a a lot to squeeze into a brief news roundup. No kidding. Um, And even if the plaintiffs ultimately win, it's not like the court's going to then say, "Okay, this is how Pennsylvania funds schools now. It will go to the state legislature to come up with a new system for funding public schools. Um, So even if this case leads to some kind of change, it won't come for a while. There's still a lot of stuff left in this, you know, ongoing saga. The show today is brought to you by an incredible local resource, AIDS Free Pittsburgh, and their pledge to end the HIV AIDS epidemic in Allegheny County by 2030. If that is a cause that is close to your heart, make sure you're around for their biggest event of the summer, the sixth annual Too Hot for July. It is a party, but it is also a chance to get confidential HIV and STI testing for free, plus info on the incredible preventative medicines we have now to keep yins happy, healthy, and feeling your most confident out on the town. So come on out to Allegheny Commons East Park on Thursday, May 30th. Yes, July is in the name, but the event is in May. Don't get confused. May 30th from 4 to 10 p.m. There will be DJ sets, a health fair and marketplace, a ballroom-inspired dance battle, cash bar, food trucks, and more. Plus, a performance by Tony Award winner Alex Newell, a.k.a. Unique, from Glee. This is all thanks to True Tea Pittsburgh and so many folks doing the good work out here in the community. So do not miss out. Learn more at TooHotForJuly.com. Oh, my God. That's so Pennsylvania. Um, Well, (laughs) I guess from one ongoing mess to a brand new one. uh, Morgan, what's going on with monkeypox cases in Allegheny County? Yeah, monkeypox is here. Uh, Allegheny County health officials have said between June 26th and August 1st that there's been 29 cases of monkeypox detected here. Um, So within a few months, it's gone from, you know, a small handful of cases in the U.S. to now it's like this, you know, international and national just public health emergency, kind of like, you know, the first stages of, of COVID. Yeah, what is like onset like? Because I don't think I've met anybody that at least has said that they had monkeypox, at least at this point. Yeah, it starts out with flu-like symptoms. So it's it's like a fever, you know, you're really tired, headache, muscle ache, backache. So it kind of could seem like COVID initially, um, but it the slow transmission, it develops into, you know, the skin rashes, the lesions, the bumps um, on your body and face, you know, over the next like two to four weeks. I feel like there's just been a ton of misinformation about who can become infected. Who's actually at risk of getting monkeypox right now? 
literally anyone, anyone, if you come in very close contact with somebody who is infected, they have to have, at least at this point, you know, sore scabs. You can get it from bodily fluids uh, from someone who's infected. If you're in bed with them, uh, their their linens, it can stay on their linens, their clothes. Um, scientists who have been like studying the hospital rooms of patients who have monkeypox said that they found like high amounts of the virus on like bathroom surfaces and on like the door handles and things like that in the bathroom. I feel bad for those folks that are like being studied in that way. Ugh, that must suck. Yeah. I've been seeing a lot of people on social media with it too. Like posting about having it or posting about being worried about it? Posting about having it. Um, I've seen some people posting that, they, that they're experiencing s- the symptoms like the lesions, the bumps and things in random places and not feeling well and they're waiting on their test results so they oh. don't really know. But Yeah. On the flip side, I've been seeing people freak out about like getting mosquito bites on their face and worried that they look like... they've been exposed and people are going to judge them if they go out in public even though they feel fine it's not something new they're going to get the death glares like when we uh coughed in the grocery store early on in covid i have never been more ashamed of myself in my life than when i had like a mild cough or like drank water the wrong way in public i still am i'm still holding in coughs from like years ago now it's it's terrible I mean, you know, speaking of kind of early COVID, Mm -hmm. I feel like now we're all just really terrified about asymptomatic carriers. Um, So do we know yet whether Mm -hmm. someone who's asymptomatic can can transmit monkeypox to other people? It's not clear yet, which is even more, you know, disconcerting. Uh, What's the vaccine situation like? Because, I mean, you know, this is actually a little bit better, I think, than early COVID. Like, at least there's already a vaccine, I think. I, I haven't seen anybody who's gotten it, but I've heard about it. Yeah, monkeypox isn't anything like new, right? But we're seeing this spread now. It's been a it's been detected since like the 70s, but it's right now becoming a problem. But um Dr. Barbara Nightingale has been leading the effort to get people tested, testing sites, vaccines, all that set up here in Allegheny County, but it's only for people who the vaccines only for people who are at high risk of exposure. Right now there's like 1400 doses of I think it's called Genios and a Cam 2000. <laughs> I saw those names online and I was like, oh God, you're going for it. Okay. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try. I know. The Genios or whatever looks like the name of like a blue jean brand in the early aughts to me. Very wide legged. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an aesthetic. Um, But those are the only two that are available right now anyway. So it's, it's just those two. So what does high risk mean in, in this context, I guess? High risk would really be initially they said like if you're having sexual contact, Initially, they said too it was it was just gay men. That's not true. But if you're if you're coming in close contact with anyone who has it, if your partner has it, um, you know, and you're sharing a bed with them, it could be spread through the, the, the bed linens, through close contact with someone you know who has the sores or the lesions and bodily fluids. So yeah, I feel like one area you wouldn't think about is sex workers. There was actually oh, yeah, a good call. Yeah, there was a story in um, the Pittsburgh City Paper. Great article uh, by Jesse Sage. They're a oh, sex yeah, worker. She used to be a columnist for them. She was great. Yeah, yeah. They're I, a sex worker here in Pittsburgh saying they were calling around to to you know try to get this vaccine. And you know, as a sex worker, you don't want to call these government agencies and admit that you're a sex worker. But she was saying that like you know I need to do this because I need to protect myself. And um, they told her that she did not qualify. Um, 
it's a great story. So I, I think if you want to kind of know the journey of what it's like to try to get the vaccine right now in Allegheny County, because there are so few doses, um, you should definitely go read it. We'll link it in our show notes. Um, and there is a happy ending to this story, but I think it takes a lot of persistence probably to try to track down the vaccine at this stage. And it's always on the patient to advocate for themselves. Yeah, calling yeah. it out, uh, drawing attention to it in a, a city news source shouldn't yeah. be, you know, <laughs> the way to get your appointment. Right. And that's that's exactly what Jesse said. She was like, I'm not sure if the article helped um, or what, but she did get our vaccine. Good for her. Um, yeah. So what do you do if you do think you have it? For one, check your symptoms, like all the symptoms that we talked about. If you have those from jump, maybe just avoid contact with people. Stay inside. Um, get tested. Call your PCP. Um, and if you don't have a PCP, call the health department um, to get tested or to get a vaccine because you can get a vaccine if you've come in contact with someone. So it's like post exposure vaccine so that if you have been exposed, you won't spread it. Or if you know you're going to be in close contact with someone, you can also get it. And also just stay isolated, you know, until you get your results. If you think you're having symptoms, stay in the house until you know. All good advice. <laughs> and, you know, if you are isolating at home while you wait for your test results, we have some um, film and TV recommendations for you. Right, Megan? So well done. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of Pittsburgh filmed movies and shows to watch right now. More than the average bear, I think. <laughs> Morgan, with your background in film and TV production, you may know more about that than I do. You, I know you still swim in those circles a little bit. Yeah, I do have some friends who have actually worked on, I thought it was just a couple, but it's actually all three of these films uh, and shows that are out right now so what are they yeah so the three biggies that are making the rounds right now are anything's possible uh from uh first time director billy porter and pittsburgh native cha-cha real smooth which is a movie um on apple tv and then very soon the remake of a league of their own which is gonna be fun yeah a childhood classic i've heard of a league of their own obviously the movie because that is it Iconic. It's iconic. And it played on TNT every week or TBS. Yeah, <laughs> constantly. I think I'm not sure if you've seen like the original edit because I've seen the TV edit so many times. I don't know if I've seen the full length film at this point from start to finish. Exactly. But yeah, well now you get a chance to watch the show. I don't know how close it is to the film, but uh, what are the other what are the other shows about? Yeah, um, I actually watched both of them last night and prep for this. Um, Anything's possible is such a cute little coming of age movie. Um, um, again, Billy Porter from Pose and Broadway fame. And Red Carpet Looks fame. Oh, my God. Right. His Insta is like, <laughs> this is a full on letter to Pittsburgh. Um, there's tons of B-roll of the city, uh, like coming through the tunnels, uh, the bridges, the downtown, the point. Um, they even include towards the end of the movie a shot of that mural of Billy on the Riverwalk near the point. <laughs> it is um, really nice. It is a really good <laughs> mural. But it was like, really? Like, you're going to show yourself? It's so cute. If I had a mural yeah. of me, I would take advantage and show it. <laughs> right. Um, he went to Kappa, um, one of the Pittsburgh uh, magnet schools. Um, and that's where the bulk of the film is set. So there's a bunch of scenes from FIP and the aviary um, and also side note every family in these stories lives in an enormous gorgeous what I'm guessing is East End home um, mm -hmm. so clearly they're all doing just fine for themselves um, <laughs> and then the plot follows uh, teenagers Kelsa and Call and their friends navigating their first loves it's really cute oh man what about Cha Cha Real Smooth 
Uh, totally different. Um, so it's the <laughs> second film from writer, director, actor Cooper Rafe, um, who I wasn't super familiar with before watching this. He plays this like messy 22 year old moving back in with his parents and finds work as a party starter in the bat and bar mitzvah scene. Um, and then he develops, I guess I'll call it an inconvenient crush. It's really good. It captures that like after college, what the heck do I do now feeling really well. Um, but there's almost nothing identifiably Pittsburgh about the film. Yeah, it's gotten some good reviews at um, film festivals over the over the summer. Mm, yeah. Um, so those are both out already. Anything's Possible is on Amazon Prime Video, and then Cha-Cha Real Smooth is on Apple TV. So then I hadn't actually really heard about this League of Their Own reboot. Morgan, you said that's a show, not a movie. It's a show, yeah. It took And it took, like, 10 months for them to film. It took a while. Yeah, I heard about that. Um, and to be honest, I don't know that much about it except for the casting. Um, first of all, Nick Offerman from Parks and Recreation ditched his <laughs> iconic mustache to play Jimmy Dugan, the clubman manager that was originally uh, Tom Hanks. And I just I I hope that they don't try to remake that peeing scene because I really hate that Tom Hanks does that in literally every film he's in. It upsets me every time. What's that scene? You don't remember the like thing where they're counting off in the like club room where he's like peeing for like 20 plus seconds or something. This is a thing. Tom Hanks pees in every single one of his films. It's weird. Since since streaming devices um, and I've been able (laughs) you know, I haven't seen that movie in so long. (laughs) No, no pun intended. Um, And then, of course, all the lesbian and queer spaces that I like to glance at are losing it over the casting. Um, But I think that that's like a really nice homage to the original bunch, too. I mean, God, Gina Davis, Lori Petty, Madonna, Rosie O'Donnell, like, Mm -hmm. holy hell. I mean, I have such high hopes for this show. I hope they uh, really do it justice. I'll be watching. I'll be watching. I'll be comparing. And I'll be looking for all the things in the background that are Pittsburgh. Yeah, so that'll be available next weekend on Amazon. It's Friday already. Did you see the Earth had its shortest day ever ending 1.59 milliseconds sooner than usual? So apparently Earth's spin can fluctuate. So who knew that? Time is literally flying. That's all for CityCast Pittsburgh this week. Megan Harris is our lead producer. Francesca DeBecco is our newsletter editor. Mallory Falk produces the show. And I host. I'm Morgan Moody. Music is by Benji. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend. Rate the show. Leave us a review. All the love. Subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back on Monday with more news from around the city. So we'll see you then. I think it was great. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, I tried to add a little razzle dazzle. I couldn't even make it through. I liked your razzle. I All thought right. it was great. I just had questions about it. Yeah. <laughs>